I'm gonna go grab my charger real quick. Okay. Um, I guess we can talk. It's recording. What does it matter? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Just have to give him a bad time for his timing on that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get going. Recording in progress. I'm out. Got a beard and it's looking something fierce Having beers with my beers And talking rap careers Reflecting on the years Connecting on the tears Shipwreck faith ain't always as appears I'm bringing you fresh music I'm bringing fresh ideas I'm bringing you the dudes in the indie music beers Chilling at the shows and talking about the pain With people who learned how to face it and be sane Sipping on a brew Doing interviews No topics off the table but we focus on breakthroughs So kick up your feet we're gonna put it in check You're listening to brews, beards, and shipwrecks One, two one, two of my checks don't bounce. Royal Ruckus on the scene just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards. Tasty interviews for your ears to hear. One, two, one, two of my checks don't bounce. Royal Ruckus on the scene just to announce. We got the brews, we got the beards. Tasty interviews for your ears to hear. Welcome to this episode of Brews, Beers, and Shipwrecks. I'm your host, Jamie Bennett, also known as Chun J from Royal Ruckus. And with me, as always, is my fantastic co host, Nomadic Vagabond. And tonight, we have a special guest who was with us uh, very recently. Uh, welcome to the show, Mr. Illustrate. How you doing, man? I'm good. I appreciate you guys having me back on. Well, we had a good time chatting with you and Dirt, and, uh, you know, about mid-show, I'm sitting there thinking, why have we not had you on yourself? <laughs> so we're, ma- we're making good on that. Uh, we- we've got you here. We got to hear a little bit of your of your story um, before. You know, I- a lot of times with this show, um, I try to prepare some questions, but I thought tonight the three of us would just kind of have uh, a reprise kind of come back together and just pick up where we left off i want to talk more about your your new record with the shadow of the locust i want to talk i was listening to some of your songs today your solo stuff okay uh i want to talk about whatever you want to from your catalog i want to talk about your life whatever you want to get into let's get into it okay cool before we do what are y'all drinking uh for myself i have a orange cream bubbly feeling fancy tonight so living it up Ooh, i like bubbly man <laughs> yeah I, I used to hate the stuff and then one day i'm like you know what sounds good and then i've just been hooked ever since so <laughs> <laughs> well i'm telling you you know sparkling water is a good alternative to uh drinking your calories and yeah absolutely. Uh, keeps you hydrated and then like so many of these drinks out there they, they've got just a touch of the of the flavor just enough like like the fruit truck is driving by, you know, like it's that much of a hint. Uh, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing about the same thing. I'm drinking a uh, Jelly Belly sparkling water. Um, nice. It's Jelly Belly, but has no sugar, unlike their uh, their jelly beans. But it's a uh, very cherry, and it's fantastic. Got it at Dollar Tree. Represent. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I think Clayton's going to have to hold down the bruise for us. Flavor, right? Yeah. Popcorn, uh, sparkling water would be weird. <laughs> I had a, earlier it's funny because I had a, a pineapple coconut um, bubbly. I was calling buble waters, but the bubbly. Nice. Um, but actually, I'm just chilling right now with, with, with a gallon of water. No, but I got a, a pineapple course from a local brewery called Pono Brewing. I've had, I've drank some of their stuff before. Um, nice. Tropical, refreshing. Um, you know, actually, I'm I'm rocking the hat right now. 
El Casi. So okay. yeah, they're kind of like a island reggae inspired kind of brewery, you know. Nice. Well, so what's every what's everybody into? What's going uh, on today? Just been hanging out with the family. Went to church this morning. You know, mowed the yard. You know, dad stuff. <laughs> you know, mainly. <laughs> oh, even rappers got to mow the lawn. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just one of those things. <laughs> Somebody's got to do it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I've I've been traveling today. I I uh, also went to church. I actually spoke at church. Um, I, I get picked every now and then to do like a five minute thing called uh, what we believe. Well, technically okay. it's supposed to be four minutes. I've never done it in four. Um, <laughs> but yeah, basically it's just, it's just a little snippet that where we share a little bit about uh, what we believe and um, it can be all over the map. So I, I had the privilege to do that today, um, but it was a little weird because I kind of had to bounce pretty quick afterward and uh, get on the road. So I'm nice. I'm in Tampa and getting ready to fly to Chicago in the morning. So um, that's also why I'm sipping on sparkling water. Just got to get hydrated before the sleep. <laughs> what you up to, Nomadic? Uh, I mean, you know, we just today we had a transfiguration today at church, you know. Um, so just got done with some salmon kebabs. Going to have some more salmon later. Nice. Um, but other than that, man, just, you know, and enjoying the summer day getting ready to go to the beach tomorrow man just trying to soak up those summer days as we can get them you know what i'm saying oh that's nice wow. where, where where do people in oregon go to the beach i i guess in oregon <laughs> well yeah i mean so it's it's you know in pacific coast i mean yeah. i'm about two hours away from the coast so i mean yeah. it's it's, wow. it's it's pretty quick but i mean you know you can go up to longview washington if you want but i mean we just head west man and there's just you know miles of beach so i mean it's usually yeah, colder awesome. than say like hawaii or something like that but you know it's still sure. good and it's, it's always good to take those times i live at the beach so um so i love the beach but nice. you know when you <laughs> yeah. live at the beach you don't go as much as you think you're going to unless you have a hobby you know unless you're surfing or something uh you just never go to the beach as much as you think you're going to yeah, it makes sense. I mean, I think that's how a lot of places are. It's like, you know, whenever you live somewhere, you don't quite take as you don't take advantage as much of like all those things that you other people are like, oh, like, I mean, I live mountain which people snowboard and ski a lot. I'm not been there like sledding and snowball fights when I was a kid. But other than that, like, I've never snowboarded and I skate, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel that. When I lived in Colorado, when pe- I meet people out of, from out of state, they're like, "Oh, you must ski all the time." And I'm like, "No, I've never been." <laughs> so <laughs> I think I yeah. attempted snowboarding one time, and it didn't go so well, so I gave up. <laughs> oh, I hate it when that happens. I, I, uh, I definitely did snowboarding one time as well, and I didn't really even master like the bunny slope. So yeah, that's um... how I was. <laughs> Yeah, bruised beards and falling down the bunny slope. Absolutely, you're just glad you didn't get a concussion that day. <laughs> <laughs> so, illustrate. I, I think maybe the best way to get into this because it's kind of hard to just pick up where we left off. Um, you know, you told us a little bit about yourself uh, before, but maybe not everybody that's listened to this has has heard that. So, maybe just uh, sprinkle in a few things about. Um, 
about who you are and and uh you know how you how you came to be in this in this space uh this rap space and and whatever you want to share kind of as an intro and then and we'll jump off from there okay um i'm originally from colorado i uh born in colorado springs and then uh high school in the denver area uh kind of bounced back and forth between the two cities for a big portion of my life i also lived in grand junction which is on the west end of um, oh my bad i just dropped my camera <laughs> sorry about that <laughs> caught the cord while i was talking um but yeah um no yeah kind of bounced around colorado for most of my life um when when i was in high school is when i really started deciding that i wanted to see what i could do as a rap artist and uh you know I, i've grown up in church so i always had a, a very deep faith in christ and I wanted to figure out a way to incorporate it because during those times, there really wasn't a whole lot of, I don't think there was any Christian rap at the time. I think uh, PID was probably the first rap rap group I ever heard of. And that was probably the sophomore, junior year. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I started, you know, I found like D-Boy Rodriguez, found wow. MCRG. Yeah. Um, I, I still have all those cassettes from back in that time frame. And I was just like, well, it's it's not quite to the level as a rap fan like I would prefer, but it's it's what yeah. I had, and it, and it it started fueling something in me. So I started writing uh, in high school. We, we tried to do a, a rap core kind of band. Uh, I think we we lasted for about a year, year and a half, you know, trying to create demos and and do some shows around the Denver area. And then eventually, um, I went through a phase where. I, I would rap at church because uh, another friend of mine, he would make me instrumental. So he would find songs and he, you know, like he took the, the pause dub tapes to a whole other level. Cause he would take a yeah. song and make an instrumental for me. So I would use that wow. to rap. And um, I, I started rapping at the church we were going to using that. And uh, I did that for, I don't know. I think I did three or four songs that way. And then I went through a phase where, um, my parents had switched us to a new church and I didn't really connect with the people there. So I went through a phase where I just, I lost interest in church for a few years and I was still trying to, uh, I was writing raps and, and I found a studio to record at, bought a drum machine, was trying to figure that out. And because I wasn't uh, really strong in my faith at the time, I had another friend who wanted to rap and he was doing gangster rap. So we decided, hey, let's mix Christian rap and gangster rap together. We'll call it yin and yang, you know, and, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's definitely one of those things. Like at the time it made sense. And now I sure. look back, I'm like, dude, you totally missed the point of what you're trying to do here. You know, yeah. so if I, if I could talk to my younger self, I'd definitely be like, get it right, man. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but we did that for a while. We did a couple songs and then gradually um the way I got back into church, it, it really showed me God had a sense of humor because I was living on one end of Denver and uh, I had told you guys about Cutting Crew uh, last time I was on there. Yeah, I had, st I had started working with those guys and I, you know, I was I was doing Christian rap, but I was really skeptical of church at that time. So um, uh, I found another Christian rapper who was working with the label and he invited me to go to a, a youth group. 
So I was like, eh, I'm kind of, you know, a little old for youth group, but if you're going and they're okay with us going, then I'll go check it out. So I drive out to Aurora, which is an hour away from where I live on the far end of the metro area. And then he's like, all right, yeah, yeah. Our youth group is just over in Westminster. And I'm like, I just came from Westminster. You couldn't have told me this. <laughs> so we drive all the way back to my neighborhood. Oh, and then after that, like we walked into the church. It was in this old beat up movie theater. And I loved it. I'm like, wow, this is the most unchurched type of church environment I've ever seen. <laughs> you know, it, it's yeah. like literally like the power would go out during service. You know, like <laughs> it just it was an old building probably needed to be knocked over and rebuilt but i loved it and i connect yeah. i get really deeply involved in that church started rapping there a little bit and uh became a youth leader shortly after and just from there um uh, i eventually uh you know working with cutting crew like we were doing block parties and i was the only christian rap artist at those events so that that was kind of interesting because that that was me for the first time like i was going into the north and east sides of denver and like I had always heard, don't go to those neighborhoods, you know, you know, there's crime, there's gangs, there's this and that. But I actually met a lot of, of people that I was like, man, this just was completely right. challenging my worldview and um, made some friends that I didn't expect to 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 make friends with, you know, like uh, Scratch G. Uh, he took me under his wing from day one. He, he helped me get better at making beats. He helped me get my first Ensonic EPS. Um, nice. you know, he gave me a place to record and, um, just kind of built up that friendship. And then some of the, some of the guys, uh, that, that own their own record stores during that time, I got to be friends with them too. So they're like, Hey, how come you don't sell your stuff at my store? So, uh, with my first yeah. album, uh, you know, they, they would sell that one pretty well. Like they would push it. They're like, yo, you want to hear some good Christian rap? Check out this. So they were nice. always pushing it for me. So that, that helped me kind of develop a little bit of a reputation in the city um, outside sure. of, of church circles. Because, um, you know, that, at the time, that was my only platform. And I had no idea, like, how I was going to, get you know, kind of let people know I was here. And, and, you know, looking back, I'm like, man, like, it, it's crazy how God can, can connect you with people that – a lot of Christians might be like, oh, no, you stay away from them. What does light have to do with darkness? But God will surround you with these people for a season uh, just so you you can be an influence and you don't even realize you're being an influence. You're really just trying to figure out uh, where, where God is leading you and what he wants you to do. But at the whole time, he is using your process to minister to other people. Um, you know, like I, I had shared uh, on the last time I was on, like some of those guys got saved and they were, they were trying to be on the sneaks about it. They're like, don't tell anybody, man, but I got saved last <laughs> week. You know, yeah. So that, yeah. that was always cool to watch. Cause I'm like, wow, I have never preached to any of you guys. You know, I, I would just talk to them like I'm talking to you guys. And I, you know, I knew we had different faiths and, and different perspectives, but just watching God move, you know, it, it was yeah. pretty amazing. And, and even uh, this one guy, he would do some big shows. Like he did a show at, I think it was at the Ozalon theater in Denver one winter. And like we had, it was the worst winter the city had seen in like 10 years. Like there was no reason anybody needed to be on the roads. It was bad, but that place was packed. And he was like, all right, I need you to go on first. So I was like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> 
So, you know, for, for what the event was, it was definitely a, a, a very secular gangster rap event. But the fact that he trusted me to set it off really meant a lot. Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it whether people realized it or not, like it allowed me to minister the gospel to them without them really even realizing it. You know, they just right. like, oh, OK, this guy's up there rapping. But, you know, I'm, I'm sharing Christ with them. And, you know, that, yeah. that may be the only opportunity they got and hopefully not. But, you know, at least got to plant some seeds with some people and, you know, made some connections throughout the evening. So. Sure. You know, it, it was just crazy for as bad as the weather was that night that everybody came out. Cause I was like, I didn't even want to be on the road. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah. Some, sometimes but, weather can be an event killer. That's for sure. It, it, yeah. Even for indoor events. <laughs> yeah. <for sure. laughs> so, um, and around that time uh, I got connected, like I started working with preachers in the hood a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I started opening up for them and they introduced me to uh, my homie Dent. Back then, uh, he he was uh, known as Fruit Loop and he would dance for them and he was a freestyle rapper. So, he you know, he would kind of open up for them, get the crowd hyped up. And uh, Dent and I, like, we, we formed a brotherhood, like, from day one. So, um, like, after that, like, he and I were always hanging out. We, we started doing music together and he played a big part on my first two albums. Um you know, he was rapping on a lot of songs. He'd always give me his input. Like if he didn't like something, he's like, oh, no, try it this way. Sure. So, you know, he, he was definitely a, a strong force in helping me build. Then we had Joe B. Real. Um, Dent had met him through another friend. And then eventually, like we had our own little squad. And, you know, we when everybody could be there, it, it was probably some of the best performances I've ever done because we all fed off each other. And yeah. Um, yeah, it was just a lot of fun, you know, but, um, life kind of happens, people grow apart, you know, yeah. um, you know, we kind of want different things. Like God was really challenging me to, to get deeper into my word and my relationship with him and not just be so worried about rapping. So he was really putting on me like, Hey, let's, let's do crew Bible studies. Cause I had gone to crewvention, uh, in 96 out to Florida. I think it was in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And the priesthoods were out there. Um, I think they're from Atlanta originally. I don't even know if they're still around or not. But yeah, I had some good conversations with those guys. And they really challenged me. They're like, you know, we do Bible studies. We do prayer meetings. You know, we're doing street evangelism. And I'm like, man, why are we doing this? Yeah. And what I realized is, um, you know, we were all just in different places. And even though God was leading me that way, he wasn't necessarily leading all of them that way. Sure. So, um, so our crew, I, I wouldn't say we just uh, disbanded because we all still keep in touch, you know, to different degrees and we're all still friends. And, uh, you know, even when I said I got new stuff now, I'm like, hey, check this out. Let me know what you think. And, you know, they'll tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, but that, that was a big, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just I just wanted to comment a little bit on uh, and, and maybe you can pick your brain a little bit on this. Uh, if, okay. you don't, if you don't mind me interrupting a little bit. Oh, no, you're good. You're good. So, you know, that there's always especially with with guys like us uh, who've been on the Christian rap scene, like specifically Christian scene, mm -hmm. um, you know, and based on your story, my story, like I think we've all had experiences to mainstream venues and Christian venues we've worked with. Uh, non-christian artists and we've worked with christian artists yeah but when you're talking to christians especially i feel like especially the rap heads um 
there's like this sense in which it's there's like at least two schools of thought like i'm a rapper who's a christian or i'm a christian rapper yeah right um but even within then within those like i think there's subsets so like if you think of it in different lanes like we don't have to talk about the christian thing like everybody's got a lane like public enemy they're a teacher Mm -hmm. you know they're they're teacher rappers yeah, uh, you know, and then then you have other like party rappers and people that are emphasizing sex and drugs yeah. and you know things right. like that. So like there's definitely categories and there's bleeding across. But among Christians, uh, I always struggled because I you know I grew up on Christian rap, and I specifically mm-hmm. by the time I was in middle school, I specifically wanted to be a Christian rapper. I wanted to rap and preach or wanted to reach people with the gospel through the vehicle of hip hop. Yeah. By the time, though, I was like really getting serious about it and out on the scene. And of course, I am doing Christian rap shows like I I was following that path. um, I started kind of like having almost a, a, a theological, philosophical exploration of what it really means. I was pretty young, but like I was. Honestly, looking back for my age, those were pretty sophisticated thoughts that I was trying to work through. And more yeah. or less, like what I concluded was I'm I'm a rapper who's a Christian. But because I'm a serious Christian, you're going to find the influence of Christ throughout my music. Mm. Yeah. But like because that was how I thought about it. I, I never was comfortable doing altar calls. I was, you know, like there were a lot of a lot of things that a Christian rapper would probably self-consciously want to do that I almost mm-hmm. avoided because of that. And I just I just wanted to throw that out there and like because mm-hmm. there's different ways of thinking about it. And, uh, you know, cro- cross movement is one way of doing things. And L.A., this this is an example that. uh nomadic and i talk about sometimes like you got the cross movement lane and you have the la symphony lane and mm-hmm. like one one is like straight up jesus in your face and the other is like life stuff about life and uh hey we love jesus you know yeah at, at least that's how it was back in the day right so right what 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 are your yeah. thoughts on that uh, rambly uh, thing that I just spewed up with? <laughs> well, it, it, it's it's funny you bring that up because uh, you know I put an album out in, last year called Sarcastic Artistry, and in the title song I actually have a line that says, "Am I a Christian rapper or a rapper that's a Christian?" Truth is, I'm both because each each seeks the same mission. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think there's a time and place for both approaches. Yeah, and it's just it's just learning to read the room. You know, um, I understand both sides of it and people have valid reasons for taking both approaches. And I don't think any one method is great in in all circumstances, because you might be in an environment where people are just not trying to hear a sermon. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. if if you're showing them like you're you're there to have fun with them and you're trying to connect with them on a personal level then you can mention Jesus and see what develops from there. Yeah. Um, you know, like when I used to work with cutting crew, we did an event in downtown Denver at uh, the city park. And it was crazy. Cause it seemed like every time I went up, they would follow my set with a booty shaking contest. And I'd always be like, why is this happening? <laughs> like, like for real, it was just like, this is like the third time, man. But <laughs> I also had some opportunities to pray with people, though. 
Sure. Because I, yeah, I, yeah. I would, you know, I would go up, I would do my music. I would just tell him who I was. I'm like, I believe in Jesus. I'm not trying to force him on you, but I want you to know he loves you. And then I would do my music. And then I'm like, hey, if anyone needs prayer, I'm going to be right over here. And please come up and talk to me. You know, it, it wasn't like you guys are going to hell and you better get right. Because, um, yeah. you know, people get resistant, walls go up. But I was just trying to connect with yeah. them saying, hey, I'm a real person. I go through it just like you do. But I still believe in Jesus regardless of what life is thrown at me. And um, it, it never broke out into an, an, to an altar call. But I might be performing at a church somewhere down the road. And one of those people's like, hey, man, I remember you from that event. Like, I've been going here ever since. And it's just like, okay, that's a win. <laughs> sure. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's, it, it, I think it, it just comes down to what the circumstances call for. You know, yeah. if you do a church event, yeah, you bring the blatant in your face gospel because that's what we're there to do. But if you get invited to a secular event and you're trying to just take over the event, like you, you've got to make sure you're really led by the Holy Spirit to do that. Like I've seen people do it and God moves and people get saved on the spot. And I've also seen people try to do it. And everyone's like, no, we're not having this, bro. You're done. Get off the stage. Yeah. You know, right, yeah, um, yeah. so it, it's, you know, it's, it, you just got, to, you've got, I think it just comes through experience, just learning, okay, this works better in this situation as opposed to, to this approach for whatever reason. And, you know, it's, it's, if we're not able to connect with people on a personal level, it's a lot harder to share the gospel to them because the, the walls yeah, right. always go up. People get resistant, right. they get angry. But if you can build that, that kind of personal rapport with them, then like you can just let the conversation lead itself. And, yeah. you know, you, you may not lead them to Christ right there on the spot, but you can at least give them a, a perception of who Jesus is that uh -huh. they're going to walk away with that and they're going to think about it. And right. who yeah. knows, a couple of weeks from now, they're like, you know what, I'm going to go to church today. And then, you know, yeah. their life's changed. Yeah. Well, I think some like kind of like stack on that. I remember reading this one uh, interview with Enoch from Cross Movement. It was kind of after he was like kicked out of the group or whatever. Okay. And he was he was talking about basically like, you know, kind of his struggles and stuff and whatnot. But he one of the things he was talking about is like, you know, as far as relating to the people. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I could I could argue theology all day and I could like, you know, win this theological argument. But like. I found myself like, did I really care about the person? Yeah. And I think that's, that's where that connection or that disconnect sometimes comes through is like, okay, well, you know, yeah. Like if you're a, a Christian, like you want to share the good news, but at the same time, it's like, you have to care about the people. You can't just care about the thing you're doing, so to speak. And sometimes, and that, yeah. that goes back to that authenticity conversation we had before even, you know? Yeah, Absolutely. You know, I, yeah. I saw the flip side of uh, some of the potentially uncomfortable situations where you preach an unexpected uh, message in a mainstream venue. I saw the flip side of that a few years ago. I've been on the, um, before the pandemic, I started getting back on the, like the open mic circuit down in South Florida, mm. um, just okay. kind of honing my skills a little bit, getting out there. And actually, I'll, also, by the way, I, I figured out going on tour takes a lot of effort. And sometimes open mic nights will get you as many follows as um, 
driving halfway across the country. So <laughs> anyway, so I was playing a bunch of open mics and there was a Christian open mic, uh, open mic night. And there was a dude who got up there that uh, after I rapped and he basically um, talked about why Christianity he thought was false. And like he was um, cursing God and all kinds of really uncomfortable stuff. Uh, mm. And and putting it up there as if it were a a piece, uh, you know, that he was presenting like artists, or, but it was clearly not like planned out. It was just a yeah. major, major just spewing and trolling on everybody. And it was one of the most uncomfortable shows I think I've ever been to. Wow. <laughs> you know, the, the people tried, were very gracious. It was the Christian host, you know, they prayed for the guy, that kind of stuff. But that actually made him mad um it it got really uncomfortable and you know i thought like that was kind of funny because when you go into a venue uh regardless of whether it's mainstream or christian you you know you've signed up to get on someone else's stage yeah yeah and and so you 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 got to kind of like at least be on the same page about what your purpose is on that stage yeah and once you're on the same page do everything within that um but I, I I just I do feel like there are some circumstances where it can reflect really badly uh, on yeah. Christians if we're not sensitive to, like you said, read the room. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, you know, this conversation, it, it actually reminds me of uh, I got invited down to Albuquerque, New Mexico one time. Uh, this this one guy, he was going to school at uh, Colorado Christian University in Lakewood. and He found my tape at uh, one of the bookstores in the local mall. And you know, he, he's what's that? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's how far back it was. But he, he invited me uh to come down for an event he was doing. It was like an open mic and he wanted me to perform. And then I brought Dent and then uh my other homie Quest, we went down there and uh you know Dent's a freestyle fanatic, you know, like hip hop head through and through. So like he did his thing, they loved him, uh Quest did his thing, and you could feel the like the room was starting to to change um because it would it would gotten to the more blatant christian music and um quested his song we did a song together we got through that and then i started doing mine but i'm watching all the mcs who came out for the open mic they just wanted to rap and they were over anybody performing so you know i'm just kind of like all right i'm gonna get through my songs and, and you know we'll step aside let them rap because obviously that's all they're really caring about right yeah. now the MCs took the event over. Like, you know, I'm finishing up my song and one of the local freestyle dudes, like he is right there in front of me. And he's like, all right, I got it from here. And I'm looking at the people who run in the event and they're looking at me like, you need to get control of this. I'm like, this is your event, bro. Like, no, I don't, yeah. this isn't my city. Like, you know, some of these dudes were rough and I'm like, I'm not going to fight them for this oh, mic. Like geez. you need to get control. And yeah, they ended up uh, doing a short open mic session, and then it was turned into a, guys, if we're going to do these events, you can't act like this kind of thing. And right. then yeah. that was about it for the event. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it was one of my first out-of-state events. So, it, it, you know, I was in foreign territory, didn't know the scene, really didn't yeah, know this yeah. guy. And, uh, like, the whole trip was just kind of weird anyway for a lot of, of different reasons. Um, but, yeah, that that was just kind of, like, the final thing. Like, maybe it's just time for us to head back home. So after the event, we got in the car and drove home all night. And, yeah, it was just crazy because 
for doing stuff mostly in churches at that time. Um, like I forgot, like when, when you're out in a non-Christian environment, like if people aren't trying to hear you, they're not going to sugarcoat it. They'll just, yeah, you know, right. if it's an open mic, they're just like, nope, it's my mm-hmm. turn to rap. You can go, you know, yeah. um, and they're not always very polite about it. So yeah, it was good. It was a good educational experience for me. <laughs> Man, I, I, I remember a show uh, we we were playing with, uh, we were playing in Oklahoma with Pillar, if you remember Pillar. The, oh, the, yeah, yeah. The, the yep. rock band with the, uh, I guess, rap core. I don't know. I don't know how you would classify it, but um, rock and roll and rapping. And uh, it was a great opportunity for us. And we were able, our booking agent was able to get us a mainstream hip hop show the night before. And, um, you know, it's like a, a hip looking coffee shop. And we thought this is going to be great. Of course, our songs, especially back then, had like a silly, real happy edge. And as we're watching people come in, we realize we are at like a super hip hop head show. Like, oh, wow. These are the guys that are really judgy. Um, you know, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're going to be really slow to show you their enthusiasm. But, you know, if they do, you really hook them. Right. Uh, mm. Gosh, we were so nervous. So like we're Christians and we're silly at like a true hip hop head show. So, uh, you know, we rallied up beforehand and we were like, you know what guys, um, don't smile for like half the set (laughs) (laughs) and tone down the wackiness, which was the right thing to do, by the way. Uh, And we did okay. We survived. We didn't, we didn't get uh, beaten down or anything. Now someone did steal an acoustic guitar from us at that show. That was a bummer, Mm. but, um, but we didn't get beat down. That's good. It's a, it's a good day. <laughs> so you're telling the DJ, "Hey, yo, okay. switch sw- switch that kid and play instrumental for the Mob Deep instrumental." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that was definitely the sort of thing we had to do. So, um, so bring us a little more up to speed. I kind of cut you off, uh, but like, let's uh, let's pick up wherever you want to, and then bring okay. us a little closer to the present. So we can get into some of the new music and stuff too. Okay. Um, see, I was talking about Laura's fellowship. Uh, man, yeah. After that, uh, started working a little more with preachers in the hood. Uh, I opened up yeah. for them. Like, like uh, it's kind of a running joke between us now. But like back in the days, like age, he was he was notorious for just about every weekend he'd call me and be like, "Hey, uh, we're doing a show over in Lakewood in twenty minutes. Can you make it and open up?" And I, you know, I live on the far north end of town, so that's like a good 30, 35 minutes away. So I would literally have to drop whatever I was doing, jump in my truck and just race down there. And then I would open up for him. Um, so I, I did that a lot. And uh, I'm remembering this one show. It's the only time I ever had to stop my set because I had to break up a fight which it, it's, it was crazy. Like, you know, we, we throw out CDs to the crowd, like everyone's having fun and I'm doing my first song and I just thrown a CD out and I see these four kids, like they're, they're scrapping for a CD. And I was like, yo, y'all need to stop, man. And they're like, yeah. no, I had it. And he took it. And I'm like, oh, you need to stop. So I'm yelling for <laughs> Flo to shut the music off. And, um, yeah, I had to jump off the stage and I'm like, I will give you each a CD if you stop right now. <laughs> and they were cool the rest of the night. And yeah, as soon as I stepped off the, the stage that night, they were right there like, okay, can I get my CD? 
So I was like, all right, let's go get your CDs. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's just, you never know what's going to happen, you know, when you yeah. do these events. Um, but that one's always stuck with me because like, I was like, I had to stop my set and break up a fight over a CD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can totally yeah. see that happening. Yeah. It, it was just crazy. I mean, they were probably, you know, early teenagers, you know, right. like 10 to yeah. 12, somewhere in there, but I was like, wow, these guys are boxing over my CD. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but yeah, yeah, you know, opened up for Preachers in the Hood, did a lot of stuff with them. Uh, We did a a tour in New Mexico where uh, we did an event in Albuquerque with like Gino V and Little Rascal. Oh, yeah. Um, Yeah, so that was fun. Like, it was one of those events, like, hey, just like, all right, you got to be in my house at 5 because we're hitting the road at 5.30. So I'm like, all right, cool. And apparently... uh, the night before their van broke down. So I get there at five and uh, he's like, yeah, my dad went out to see if he could find us a new van. Our old one's not running. So we oh, didn't actually wow. get on the road until like noon that day. So yes. but we, we, we made it to Albuquerque. Like there's a line around the block. Everyone's looking at us like, where you been? We're trying to get in the door. They won't <laughs> let us in yet. <laughs> uh, so that ended up being a, a fun night. And uh it's crazy because that was probably like the third time I'd ran into Little Rascal at that point. Like it just became a running joke whenever we were in certain states. We, like we just ran into each other. So it was That's pretty dope. cool. So, yeah. So and, you know, thinking back, like a lot of these guys aren't as active, but it's just like, man, I, you know, I got to share the stage with these guys, sure. you know, way back then. So um, I did that. And then uh, at one point I, when I was living in Grand Junction uh, with I linked up uh, with my homie Minority. He's a Christian rap artist from out there. He and I started a label called Resurrected Music. We did that for, man, I think we tried to make that go for like three or four years. And uh, it, it was a good learning experience because we had the passion and we had the drive and we were willing to get the finances however yeah. we needed to, but we did not have the business sense to really run a label. <laughs> sure you know so so we, we put out it <laughs> yeah for sure you know we learned the hard way um we our distribution when we started uh we were working with frost t like i, I had mentioned i worked with frost uh on yeah. the last episode that i was on like yeah you know um my second album uh went through fourth man <laughs> records and um yeah that that, that was kind of cool because like you you realize like your stuff reaches areas you've never even been to and people hear it and you're just like how did you get it you know <laughs> yeah um yeah. so so that right. was that was a new thing for me so you know seeing my 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 album in other states and um you know working with frosty like uh even when uh the lord's fellowship was still around like myself dent and joe B. real we would fly out for a weekend and hang out with frosty from time to time and, uh, you know, we record with him and KP from 4th Avenue Jones. Um, that was even oh, before yeah. it was 4th Avenue Jones, you know. So yeah. <laughs> so, so that was fun. Um, and then uh, at one point, I actually stayed with Frosty for a summer one time. Um, oh, yeah. I'd, yeah, I would planned to just come out and just record because he was going to do some verses for me on the on my project I was working on. And, uh, it, yeah, he, he talked me into staying. I was going to stay in Phoenix for, you know, for two months and then be in L.A. for two weeks and then go back to Phoenix for a little bit and record there. But, you know, Frost was working with KP. And then I ended up uh, just working with KP in the studio that whole summer. You know, I'd go in at like 10 o'clock at night. We'd work till 2, 3 in the morning. 
And then, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd get back to Frosty's house. Everyone was knocked out, so I'd sleep in the car until like eight o'clock when everybody got oh, up. Geez. So, yeah, it, it's it it's funny now, but back then I was like, man, I'm sleeping in my car. This is crazy. But right. you know, it, it was it's like you know, you, you it's a it's you go out there like, man, I'm I'm gonna live my dream out. I'm I'm gonna make this <laughs> new album. I'm going to be in California, yeah. you know, you just yeah. have this impression, like it's going to be all this amazing stuff. And like, it was cool. Like I, I got to meet, uh, um, I got KP and I got to work together. I got to meet Ahmad a couple of times. Nice. Um, yeah. Just different artists. Like Ahmad's a super cool dude, man. Like he yeah. was always really respectful, really laid back, you know, KP, uh, man, like that, that guy did more to help me get that album done than I would have ever had had even asked him to do. Like he, he sure. really went the oh, extra yeah. mile to get that done. So I always respected that and appreciated it. And, uh, you know, even Frosty's wife, she, she let me sleep on their couch for like two months. And I'm just like, I know I'm overstaying my welcome, <laughs> but you're being really cool about this. So thank you. You know, <laughs> that's amazing. Just put the toilet seat down and you're okay. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> that, that actually reminds me, I, I didn't, uh, know Frosty very well at all, but, um, there was one year, and I think it was 20 years ago this year, I had just moved to Nashville not long before, and it was uh, GMA week. So it was the Gospel Music okay. Association. Everybody was in town, and it was like one thing led to another. I think it started with uh, Pigeon John asked me if he could crash at our place. And oh, I wow. said, sure, but he was on tour with Red Cloud and Malachi Perez and... Um, Another guy, I can't remember his name, but they came through and they were crashing. And then, and, well, anyway, it just ended up becoming like this growing group of people. And Soup That's the Chemist funny. came and stayed. Now, I gave him my wow. room because it's like he's the godfather. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so so he, he had my room. But then like on like the very last night, I mean, we had this dude architect, I think, from uh, from Canada. I think he, he had something to do with uh, Feed Magazine, maybe. Um, okay. Uh, so he was there. I think his wife was there. Frost T showed. I don't. I don't even know how Frost T like got to our house. Like he was there. <laughs> my memory of it, and he could correct me. I'm sure if he could even remember it. But my memory was that he slept under the dining room table. Uh, that's, that's how funny. packed our apartment was. <laughs> like that was his sleeping spot. So. Okay. Uh, uh, just cra- I think we had fourteen people in our like six hundred fifty square foot apartment that that night. Um, wow. That's Frosty wild. was. Was somebody of- sleeping on the dining table? <laughs> no, <laughs> you, you you know you think there would be, but uh, we were so like so young and cheap and broke that our dining room table was like one of those plastic tables you would have um, like out on your patio. Like the wow. cheap, cheap Walmart table that was in yeah. our dining room, <laughs> dude. I mean, it's funny, man. I remember, like, when I was like, you know, single, like living with roommates and stuff. Like, my bed was literally like a cot, and I was like, yeah. "Yo, it's cheap, it's movable." And yeah. one time in the middle of the night, that mug just collapsed on me in the middle <laughs> of the night and like almost like knocked the wind out of me just because I hit like oh, the bar rough. on the bottom. <laughs> I was like, all right, maybe I need to spend more than 30 bucks for a bed. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? <laughs> That's probably a good idea. So so you're you're sleeping in your car, you're doing whatever you gotta do. Uh yeah. To make it happen, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I was out, you know, there for the two months, uh, got the album done. And I was actually planning on going back to Denver, getting my stuff and then moving to Los Angeles. We had it all planned out. Um, but yeah, it, it, that was a definitely, it was a turning point because God kind of like put the brakes on the whole move. Uh, once I got back to Denver, it like everything started changing. Like I, I you know, I didn't, I was out of money cause I had spent everything being out there the whole time. And, uh, like, yeah, it was crazier too. Cause like we were living on one meal a day. So, um, you know, for, for, as far as the, the California dream and, you know, having all these high expectations, like it taught me a lot about literally having to live on faith just to get through that whole process of yeah. making the album and then trying to get home. Like I, I hit up a friend of mine and I was like, dude, this is the situation. I got to get home. And uh, he let him and his dad lent me the money just for gas and, and to drive. So I got back to Colorado from Los Angeles in like 12 and a half hours, just going like a hundred down the highway. Jeez. Yeah. So it, it, it was pretty wild. Um, but then, uh, you know, I get back to Colorado and I, I'm trying to find a job just to get some money and get ready to move and uh, can't even find a job that'll pay me enough to to pay my rent and, and everything else. So I'm just like, God, what are you doing, man? Um, so, you know, trying to process that for a few months and Frost is like, yo, are you moving out here? Like, where are you at, bro? Like, what's going on? <laughs> like, I'm trying, you know. And then I, I went radio silent because I met this girl at the church that I'm like, hey, I don't know her. Like, I've never seen her, <laughs> you know. So um, six months later, she and I got married. So oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah, it was it was definitely um, it was one of those things like, you, you know, people say you just know. And as soon as, as I met her, um, you know, with this, everything started falling together. And then within six months, we were married. And I told Frost, I was like, yo, man, I'm not coming out. This is what happened. He's like, I knew there was a girl involved. So he gave me a bad sign for it. So, <laughs> so and then, uh, yeah, she and I moved to Grand Junction from there um, where my parents were living. And then I met, I reunited with Minority. We started Resurrected Music uh, that I mentioned a little bit ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we did the label for a few years. And it, it was it was always weird, too, because not only did we not have the business parts to do it, but... Uh, he got a job opportunity in Denver and him and his family moved there. So we were trying to do it from Grand Junction, which is four hours away on the other end of the state. And, you know, we're trying to make it work, get albums done. And, um, you know, we got some stuff released and, and some projects finished up, but it was a lot harder. And then finally he moved back to Grand Junction. And then within a few months of that, I'm like, hey, bro, um, God's moving me to Colorado Springs. So, which is just like an hour and a half, two hours south of Denver. So I moved out there and uh, yeah, we were never in the city long enough to really do what we wanted to do, but we, we just always had circumstances of having to work from across the state and, and just make it work. So, but we each put out a solo album um, that we did a couple mixtapes and um yeah they're, they're they're still out there for people to listen to and you know we still stay in touch too you know he's he uh he quit rapping and got into hvac and like he's he owns a farm like he's, he's just doing great for himself now <laughs> so it's kind of crazy i'm like wow farm i didn't see that one coming but hey it's working great you know <laughs> rappers turn so, farmers you know i, yeah, I knew man. they became actors i didn't realize they'd be rappers <laughs> could become farmers too yeah, it happens, man. You know, <laughs> you just got to be ready. <laughs> That's 
That's dope. So, I mean, yo, yeah. there, there's beats on farms, right? That's oh, true. Oh, that's, true. <laughs> <laughs> that's a dad joke. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, and then in the Springs, uh, there was an organization called G Life Outreach, and I'd known those guys over the years just from doing events and um you know we'd appeared on each other's projects at different times and like the whole time i lived in the springs i was always trying to connect with them but i worked so much because by this time i've got three small kids you know all under the age of six so you know they always want to eat and be taken care of and have a place to live so you know i was I, at one point i was working three jobs at the airport so i didn't have time to do anything in the hip hop community you know sure. no outreaches i think i was i made it to one in the six years we lived in colorado springs so um yeah just mainly worked for during that period and then uh moved back to denver and this is another situation where god has a huge sense of humor um because that's when I got really involved with G Life Outreach. Uh, actually, ended up becoming a, a leader with the organization and the ministry. Was helping plan events. Uh, they did an online radio station called Four Life Radio that I still manage. Uh, I think we're almost on our seventh year now, and it's wow. just all un- underground. It's predominantly local uh, Colorado Christian hip hop artists, yeah. um, but we play people from all over the country. You know, like we get emails for stuff all the time, so I just add it. So we have a yeah. playlist of like 500 songs that it just cycles through. So wow. you, know, you can you can listen for like a day and a half and not hear the same song. So <laughs> that's dope. So yeah, how long so, how long have you been doing that? Uh, almost seven years. Oh yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so yeah, we got that. We got a couple shows that play throughout the week as well. So just managing that, and then uh, we were with uh, G Life. We were doing these events after COVID because uh, before COVID, we were doing all these summer events, and they were growing and just getting like massively bigger every year. And it, w- it was pretty amazing. And then COVID hit, and then it was like, oh man, we can't do those events anymore. What are we going to do? So we started doing uh, homeless outreaches, and we called them Concert on the Curb. No so. Um, it, it, we would literally just take a bump box or two and link them up. And we just had a couple cheap mics and we'd set up at a park and, you know, the, the, some of the guys from G life, we would just do some songs and hand out food or clothing to the homeless. It just kind of depended on what the city was allowing at that time. Yeah. And uh, it, over the years, like I think we did those yeah for the last three years and they were starting to grow because more churches were like, Oh, well, we see what you're doing. We want to partner with you. You know, we got food and then another church uh, would know a ministry that gives away clothing. So the last one we did, I think we had seven churches and uh, other organizations that were partnering with us. So that, wow. um, yeah, yeah, it went from two bump boxes and I think three rappers to, you know, all these organizations now like, hey, we're going to help you. We're going to partner with you. Um, but I, I don't know if I mentioned uh, the last time you guys had me on, but w- another problem we had is, is the drug dealers who were always dealing to the homeless community. They would take mm-hmm. our outreaches and other church outreaches and they would, they would either park around the corner or their people would be walking through and yeah. they'd be making their sales. Well, you know, we're trying to, to help the community. So that was another obstacle. And, um, you know, it's the city started just putting concrete blocks up so you couldn't even get cars in the, the parking lots at oh. these parks anymore. So, yeah, it oh, just wow. 
created created a new hurdle for us um but you know we always just kind of did what we could do at each event like we had one uh wasn't it was the summer before last but we had this lady she she bought a house that's three doors down from the colorado spring soup kitchen and she was furious when uh, churches would do park outreaches across the street from our house because they're you know they get the homeless with new clothes and then they would just throw their old ones in the park and just leave them there. So she's just uh, like, they're messing up my neighborhood. And like, I can't believe you guys aren't seeing this and helping. And it's like, you move three doors down from the homeless soup kitchen in the city, man. Like, would you, you know, expect? It, it, yeah. Like, if, if you're worried about property value, like, this is the wrong neighborhood <laughs> for you. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, you know. So, but yeah, it was just kind of interesting because not only did we have to keep an eye out for the drug dealers, but we had this lady running around, like she knew who the drug dealers were. So she was screaming at them, chasing them off. And, you know, we're trying to minister and it's like, lady, we know what you're trying to do. We understand, but can we work together on this, please? And yeah, she just was not having it. (laughs) Wow. So, yeah, so it's. You know, it, it's amazing how something so simple to try and help people can become so complicated because, yeah. mm-hmm. like, sure. you know, you understand where she's coming from and you're trying to respect that. But at the same time, like, you're trying to meet the needs uh, of people who really need help that, you know, get looked over all the time. Yeah. So, yeah, um, you know, even this year, like, since I've moved out to Memphis, like, I, um, they've still been trying to do concert on the curb all summer. And I think they finally did their first one. Actually, no, the first one will be next weekend, I believe. Um, but yeah, they, they've just had new city obstacles and rules and insurances that they've never had to deal with. So, you know, it's, I don't know, COVID, I think we're, we're all still trying to, to bounce back from it and, and just watching how, like, just doing simple outreaches has just become so complicated. So, mm-hmm. trying to sort through that, you know, um, sure. just, you know, I'm, I'm still connected with G Life pretty heavy. You know, all, you know, as well as being a member of Shadow of the Locust is basically I, I uh, became part of two families at the same time. It was pretty yeah, crazy yeah. how that all came together, yeah. you know, because it was literally like I moved back to Denver. And during that time, like we had had a lot of family drama and we were just like, I don't care what it takes. Like we're getting away from all of this, you know, for, for our family and our sanity. And um, like. I was in a really discouraged place and MVP from G life. Uh, he had called me one week and was like, Hey, uh, this is what we got going on. Like, we really would love it. If you'll join the team officially, like you've always been, you know, part of us unofficially, but you know, if, if you want to work with us, like we'd love to have you. So I was like, all right, cool, cool. And um, probably a week later, dirt calls and he's, you know, we're just catching up cause we hadn't talked in a while. And then he's just like, Hey man, um, why don't you officially join the crew? Like you've always been locals, but let's make this official. And uh, I was just like, wow, God is doing something. Like he's just, he's meeting me right where I'm at. Cause I was at a point where I was so discouraged. Like I hadn't really been able to do music in years just because I was always working, you know? And then when I wasn't working, I was taking care of three little ones. And uh, yeah, it's just one of those points. Like I thought I was done doing music. And, uh, mm-hmm. like, that's all, that's always proven. Like every time I get in that mode, I can always hear God, like, you don't even know what's coming next, bro. Like get ready. Right. <laughs> you um, know, what year was that? Uh, what was that? Uh, 2015. Okay. I think. Yeah. Cause I, cause I put uh faith, love and hip hop out in 2016 and, uh, 
yeah, a lot of that album talks about the stuff I'd gone through previously living in the Springs and, you know, with family issues, with church issues. Um, you know, just, it, it like that whole album is me just really just processing it. You know? sure. um, there's there's a lot of stuff. On, yeah. You know, just writing it out because there's a lot of stuff on that album I would have never have said before because I'm like, you know, I don't want to offend anybody. I just want to tell people about Jesus and, you know, trying to be PC and then during that album, I'm like, you know what? Gloves are coming off. I'm just calling it what it is, you know? And uh, I wasn't disrespecting anybody, but I, I think I was more honest on that album or it was the start to me feeling comfortable being honest uh, just about different experiences I'd gone through. And then the crazy thing is, is I put the album out and then some of my closest friends are calling me and they're like, yo, you know, on this song, when you said this, that's exactly what I'm going through. And I needed that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. You know, and that just like I had to sit down and soak that in. I'm like, wow, here I was thinking I'm talking crazy and it, it's actually encouraging people. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So from there, um, started working with G-Life a lot heavier. We've done compilations and different projects and events since then. Um, Shadow of the Locust, we did the the first uh, compilation album. And uh yeah, that, that, that was just kind of like surreal for me because I'm like, wow, I'm officially a part of Shadow of the Locust. This is crazy, <laughs> you know, because it was one of fresh. those things, like the first time I heard Dirt, I was like, man, I, like, I want to know how to be be a part of it, you know? And like, yeah. even though he and I were cool, I didn't want to be like that guy that's like, yo, put me on, bro, come on. Right. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I had that level of respect for him to where I'm like, well, if it's ever supposed to happen, it'll happen. You know, and, well, and we might have discussed this last time, but like, how'd you, how did mm -hmm. the two of y'all link up? Um, just from we originally met just doing events, um, okay. you know, just around town. I think I don't even really remember the first time I met him, I just know that we met, and that every time I saw him, he was always encouraging me to keep going, and he was challenging me to think differently in how I did my music. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, one of the biggest times like we did uh, an anti-GMA event in Nashville and uh, Dirt was there, Frosty was there, Pigeon John, John Rubin before he blew up, he was there and there was a couple other artists and, uh, you know, we were all just hanging out like we were outside the, the, the spot where we we're supposed to perform waiting to get in and we're all freestyling on the corner. I'm like, dude, I've never done this. This is crazy. You know, yeah. <laughs> You know, That's so um, just watching Dirt perform and just talk to him. And then, you know, we would kind of email here and there and then, you know, occasionally talk on the phone for brief times. And then Complex and I, uh, I don't even remember how, I think he and I kind of connected through email too. You know, he was just, you know, or no, it was MySpace. Like, that's how far back it is. Yeah, nice. yeah man. Yeah. You know, um, you know, we, we would kind of link our profiles up how we did back then and you know, we kind of message each other and I'd check out his stuff and, you know, we try to connect on songs. And um, at, at one point I tried to get Plex on an album, but, you know, it just didn't work out for that time frame. So, you know, we ended up connecting like years later and then you know, made an amazing song. And I was like, all right, we're good now, bro. So, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, you know, we, we just with Dirt and Complex, uh, I think I've known them both the longest of anybody in the crew um just yeah started out just if we were at an event just kind of talking little bits here and there and you know email phone calls you know however however we could work it 
Um, even uh, when I was with Frosty for those two months, I tried to get down to San Diego to see dirt, um, but it just didn't work out. It was one of those days, like I didn't have any money. And then I look at my car and I'm like, oh, I don't have any gas either. I guess I'm not going down. So, <laughs> you know, so that that's how that worked out. But, it, you know, <laughs> dirt's just always been that guy. Like he's just consistently yeah. encouraged me. You know, even if I put yeah. out a song that was just whack, like he was always like, you know, if you do this and do this and maybe mix it different or do your vocals different here, like the song would have popped a little better. Right. You know, um, you know, and even uh, at one point he was on tour with Sackcloth Fashion and they were coming through Denver. So we brought him to our church and like he was just wilding out, man. Like we got to hang out that whole weekend. We went downtown Denver and like, you know, the homeless people, you know, they, they were just yelling at people. So this guy's like a block away and dirt starts yelling back at him. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing, dude? <laughs> But it was so funny just watching because I'd never seen dirt just kind of wild out like that. He was just yeah. having fun, and he wasn't like you know he he's never taken himself super seriously. Right. You know he's just kind of like hey, this is me. You know what do you what do you want? You know. So I feel like we, I feel like back then he was especially like when he was younger he was a wild dude, like yeah. in the most fun way. Like yeah, just goofy and silly. I mean, like I remember one time uh, we. There was this dude Yoda that used to be in Royal Ruckus that um and Dirt like like one of his kids was like uh one years old or something like that or or two years old or something and and he let uh let Yoda pretend that was his kid and oh, wow. um and was having conversations with chicks there in San Diego, right? And uh it was just this dorky moment, but Dirt was like just totally playing along. Oh yeah, that's his kid. You know, his mom's not around. You know, yeah. <laughs> the, the, oh. the dude is just hilarious. Uh, I, I feel like he's you know he's a little more mature, mellower these days. Yeah, but, but still, it, a it comes with age for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if he wants to be sharing this story, but it's it's too funny not to share it. Uh, so so Dirty, he's not here to object so fair enough fair enough um yeah you know when they were in town with sackcloth fashion we were hanging out at one of my friend's apartments and you know we're all just hanging out like you know just talking you know whatever nothing real specific going on but he just happens to be like hey you got a phone book because i was back when you know we still had phone books and whatnot um so they get the phone book for him and he grabs their phone and he just picks numbers at random and he dials it and then he's like hey um i got some stolen uh, uh stereo equipment i need to move and it's it's real hot like i think the cops are on to me do you want to buy it and oh, he would just what, whatever that conversation turned into he would just take it for as long as he could oh my gosh that's amazing. <laughs> yeah it, it, it was crazy so <laughs> Yeah, you know, just just watching or listening to his side of the conversation. I think he did that for like half an hour until he got bored with it. But <laughs> it was just hysterical to watch. And I'm just like, I can't believe this guy's just calling people. Up. Oh man! Well, we we went out uh, after a show with uh, Sackcloth Fashion, Dirt, K2S. If you remember them, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, I met um, Donald. Uh, yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, I haven't talked to him in years, but uh, definitely a good dude. Um, but yeah, so it was like dirt and sackcloth fashion and Royal Ruckus. We we went to Walmart in the middle of the night, uh, and it was like October, so there were costumes. And okay. like a bunch of fools, we just put on costumes. We each picked out costumes and went shopping, and you know, we're clowning around, falling all over. I'm sure everybody hated us while we were there. Um, mm -hmm. but 
Derb was like, dude, you guys need to actually buy some of these costumes. And I think I mentioned last time we talked about Royal Ruckus, the Happy Meal performance, where we're like, oh, yeah, one of us is a hamburger. It was that night that we bought those. That's funny. It was all because we were just clowning around at Walmart, literally at like one in the morning after a show. And it was like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. Um, oh, that's funny. No, nothing like coming off that adrenaline of performing and like, what can we get into? Yeah. <laughs> You know, I I, th- I think that's what, like, I, I don't want to be so insider baseball on performance, but, like, a lot of our show is talking to other rappers. And mm-hmm. um, I, I think, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are listeners to hip-hop and not necessarily rappers as well. Um, like, the whole, the whole show experience on its own is just invigorating, like, especially for rap, because, mm-hmm. you know... You're putting on a party, essentially. You know, you're coming out and you're you're taking an entire audience on a journey through your lyrics. And in the process, they're putting their hands up, they're yelling, they're shouting. You're possibly like jumping up and down, like you're getting your cardio in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. So after the show, you're super amped still. You know, like, and and then and then it's just all these good experiences talking to other artists is always like, it's always a boost to hear yeah. someone else's perspective, their creative energy, you know, and, and and then you just write a high from that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I know for us, for most events we used to do back in the days, like we always went to Denny's and then we'd be there till like two or oh, three yeah. in the morning. And then it was like, oh, we got church in a few hours. We better go home and sleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I always, always love a good uh, after show Denny's experience. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had a, uh, I, I probably, I won't, I won't name names here, but uh, there, I had a DJ at one point who um, we, we played a show with Dirt and we were going to stay at Dirt's house there in San Diego and he didn't feel comfortable in the neighborhood and uh and and didn't feel i don't know maybe he didn't like the house or something. i don't know he didn't want to stay the night there so after the show he asked us to drop him off at denny's and he spent the night drinking coffee at denny's and we oh, picked wow. him up in the morning <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy yeah right wreck after that man <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, I, I think i think he uh passed out in the back seat of the car eventually on the way home but yeah, I, I couldn't imagine going much farther after drinking coffee all night. And you're like, oh, I can sit and don't have to do anything. <laughs> well, and and you know what? Like, it, I, I wasn't like mad at him or anything, but like, I never took him on tour uh, because it was like, oh, dude, it's like, you got to be flexible on tours. And especially yeah, if yeah. it's a Christian rap tour, you got to be okay with a couch sometimes. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and so like, we, we never went on tour with him. Like, but the other DJs that we've been on tour with, man, though, I mean, we saw every dirty floors and great couches wow. and, and nice hotel rooms, too. Like, you get it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, some, a lot of the events I've done, like, usually, you know, someone gives you their bedroom or, you know, you get a couch. And if you actually get a motel room, it's just like, oh, this is a good night. All right, cool. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, dude. So, you know, the other thing I was going to talk about, too, was um not even just say shadow of the locust because that's an easy convo but uh which we mm-hmm. can talk more but um are you still in contact with like preachers in the hood 
Yeah, yeah. Flo and I are actually really close. Uh, I just talked to him. Him and his family were coming through Memphis, uh, I guess, two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, because it was the last time uh, you guys had me on with dirt. Yeah. And I happened to fall asleep on the couch and my phone, uh, the ringer was off. So he, he was trying to call me like, hey, we're two hours out. And uh, I didn't get it to like the next morning. So I was just like, oh, uh, man. So trying to link up with him. Um, age, I haven't seen for a couple of years. Uh, but when we do, we just pick up where we left off. Like last yeah. time I saw him, like that dude blew me away. Uh, he he uh, works with an organization called Black Sheep, and, and it's a Harley Davidson bike ministry. Um, and like he got into that, I think probably ten years ago. And he, he just has, has ran with it. He's in the San Diego chapter of it. Uh, he's been out there, but he was out in Denver visiting for the week, and he had some of the guys he rides with now. And you know we're all sitting there eating lunch, and then uh, he just overhears something at one of the tables next to us. This guy's going through stuff. And, and age is literally like just stops what he's doing. And he's like, Hey bro, c- can we pray for you? Like right in the middle of this restaurant. And I was like, yo, we're really doing this. All right, cool. <laughs> <laughs> so we all got around the guy. We prayed for him right then and there. And, you know, age, he's always had a big heart for ministry, you know, whether he was doing rap concerts or pastoring or, you know, riding with, with black sheep, like he doesn't care. Like he'll pray for people anywhere doesn't matter what's going on um you know uh his he got that from his dad because his dad was uh pastoring a church for a long time mm. and uh you know they were serving there as well and uh yeah it's just you know age and i pick up where we left off and you know we've always you know it's, it's been a brotherhood with preachers in the hood you know through all the years like we've been through stuff where you know we kind of butted heads at different times for different reasons but you know, we kind of, we, we work our way through it and, you know, we just keep doing life, man. You know, um, yeah. when I was in Denver, I tried to get together uh, just between life and schedules and families. Like we didn't get together as often as we liked, but every chance we could, like Flo and I would get our families together and uh, we we just hang out. Like Flo does a radio show. Uh, I think he's still doing it on Sky Blue Radio. Uh, Sunday oh, nights, okay. uh, he does the OG Flo show. And uh, he's had me on that a couple times when I was still in Denver. And, yeah, we we just bug out, get stupid, talk music. And, you know, it's just, it's just us having fun doing what we do. So <laughs> That's dope. Well, um, I, I don't have a whole lot more time, but we've got some time. Uh, I want to hear a little bit more about the album. I know last time we talked about the new Shadow of the Locust album. Um but I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some more things you want to talk about because uh, you are all over that record <laughs> and uh, you you spit some fire verses on there. So I'd love oh, to talk about you. whatever you'd like to talk about with that <laughs> album. Yeah, um, you know, it, it, for those that haven't heard it, it's it's A Mighty Army Cometh, Volume 2 from Shadow of the Locust. Uh, it's, this is our second one. It's... Like, I love both projects, but there's just something different about volume two. You know, uh, like, as a crew, like, we've all gone through a lot, you know, because of COVID, just life changes. Like, we, you know, for, for everybody that's that's been a part of Shadow of the Locust, like, I, there's a definitely a, not only, like, a lyrical maturity, but there's a spiritual maturity on this album. Um, 
just because, you know, just life hits and, and it keeps hitting and you just got to fight your way through it. And, you know, w- when we released the first one, I, I think as a, a crew, we were really discouraged because it didn't get the momentum we were hoping it would. But as as we were just kind of working through stuff and, and working on the second project, like, you know, the way I ended up being such a big part of it is is just because I was trying to help get the crew motivated because it was like, man, we've got all this to do. You know, life has got us, you know, pulled away from the music right now. And, uh, you know, as a whole team, I, I think we, we just kind of felt stuck. And then, you know, I just called Dirt and I'm like, hey, man, I got an idea for this verse. And if it's going to help fill a slot for the album, can I do it? And then he'd be like, yeah, do it. It's cool. And then, you know, a few, <laughs> few months would go by and, you know, we get an update and then people would be like, oh, okay, cool. We're, we're, we're back to work slowly but surely. And then uh, I'd be like, hey, Dirt, I got an idea for this one. Is it cool? Because, you know, I, I didn't want to overstep. You know, that, that was my biggest concern to be like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, the rest of us still need to find slots too. Um, but I just... Um, you know, I, I just kept getting ideas because like th- during COVID, like, you know, like I said before, like my process of dealing with stuff is just to write rhymes. I write songs and, yeah. uh, you know, I was just sharing stuff I'd been through and just, you know, just trying to process, you know, my own situation. So um, yeah. I actually had written for more songs than I'm actually on. There were different points where it's like, you know what, let's get this person on instead. And it was just like, yeah, I'm already on like a big chunk of it anyway. So yeah, you know, I don't want to <laughs> be on everything for sure. <laughs> sure, sure. So, but little by little, like we all started getting more motivated, and you know, I, I think as, as we were all kind of just processing what was going on in, in each of our lives, like we started getting more focused back on music, and then we realized, like, man, we are almost done with this comp. Like, let's just get it done. You know, yeah. and then Dirt started hitting us up and he's like, hey, you know, we got Nomadic, we got Kozak, we got Illogic. Like, I really feel like, you know, he, he's like, he want, wanted everybody to be part of the crew and explain why. So we were like, yeah, cool. You know, if, if you're vouching for him, then let's do it. So, and then everybody came on and, you know, filled in, in the last couple gaps that we, we had open on the album and, yeah, we, we weren't even expecting it to be out yet because um, Dirt had been mixing it and then he had computer issues. Uh, he had to get a whole new computer and, and you know, software issues, plugins, you know, it's, for those that are, that are real tech savvy on that end of things, like it, it just creates a whole other world of obstacles you got to work through. So, yeah, you know. Uh, Dirt got it all done like dude was just grinding for months you know just remixing everything and um, yeah like Dirt does so much behind the scenes like we're just like hey can we help and it's a lot of stuff it's only stuff he can do uh, just because he has everything right there and we may not all have the same software or or plugins he has so it just kind of is what it is but um just just the fact that the album's done and it's out like it went through the whole process of going through cd baby like we we're expecting it to take at least a month or two and i think by the time dirt got everything uploaded like it was out on our release date that he had yep. had initially set so July like, wow yeah so that was an act of god in and of itself because we were yeah. expecting it to come out much later <laughs> and I, I don't even know like i think was it was it uh sam 
Ox, uh, he was, I think he happened to look and he was, he took the screenshot and he's like, guys, it's out. Yeah. And then we're all oh, grabbing yeah. our phones like, Oh really? Oh, it's out. You know, <laughs> that's great. You know, so, so it's, it's, it's actually like the whole process of getting this project done has, has gotten us all to become a lot closer because we're all spread out across the country. So, uh-huh. um, right. you know, we don't always get the chances to interact with one, one, you know, with everybody, you know, we got our group chat, but, you know, uh, sometimes it's just like, man, like, you know, we're all talking and stuff and this is cool, but we don't always feel like we're really connecting as people um, just because uh-huh. we're not in the same room. But, um, you know, over the last year or so, like, I, I don't know if you've been a part of them, uh, Nomadic, but um, like we will do group calls and whoever can answer, we just get on and we talk for 20, 30 minutes, you know, however long we can. Unless it's seven lock doing it at like midnight. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> But hey, at least he's interacting. So yeah, true. <laughs> you know, he, he was radio silent for a little bit, so I'm just glad you know he you know we're getting some yeah. kind of interaction. <laughs> you know, but we we had a couple group chats where it might be you know like Ox and Kodak and myself and Dirt and you know uh, one or two other people might kind of chime in here and there and you know we're just talking like nothing just yeah. you know how are you guys doing what's new. And, you know, it, like for me, that helped because I'm like, man, like, I feel like I yeah. actually know these guys now. And it's not just names on a screen and we're all making comments, yeah. like learning people's personalities. Like, oh, they said this. So they're probably joking, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it gives you context, too. Right. Because sometimes you just yeah. see words on a screen and it's easy to be like, well, what do they mean? And it's like, well, yeah. if you get to like have some conversation, you're like, oh, well, like you're saying, like, OK, I kind of get the personality. I think they actually meant this. Like, I'm not going to take offense or you know yeah start like well what do you mean you know it's kind of like okay okay whatever <laughs> or you know you take that to maybe another dm be like what do you mean you know what i'm saying like yeah absolutely so yeah and i found like everybody's super cool like we bag mm-hmm. on each other and it, it, it's generally become a family and i love it yeah you know <laughs> you know That's hopefully the... you know we'll, we'll get to be in the same room all together at some point yeah but for now we're working with what we got and I think God is using us to just make some amazing music. And, you know, I'm excited, you know, for everything, yeah. you know, we're, we're working on, you know, when volume three comes out at some point, and then, you know, we got our own little side projects we're doing as well. Um, yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, everyone I've shown the album to, they, they've really enjoyed it. Like my homie Chainbreaker got to do a verse and uh, like, he, he's one of those guys, like, I've been debating, like, you know, hitting dirt up, like, yo, let's bring him on if you can. Cause he's one of, like, in my opinion, he's one of the best Colorado rap artists, but mm-hmm. he doesn't do a lot of stuff. Like he, he just uh-huh. raps at church. Occasionally he's a part of outreaches. He's super low key, super humble dude. Um, but he, like, he's a monster on the mic. And I'm like, bro, mm-hmm. like we need to get you on some stuff. So <laughs> Yeah, you know, so the fact he got to jump in on the album and do a verse and helped out with a hook, like I thought that was awesome. So when it came out, I texted him. I'm like, "Yo, bro, you're famous now." So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes guys like that just need a little motivation, you know. You yeah, know? absolutely. And when you, when know. you hear the final product, hopefully that's a that's a good bit of motivation because he could be listening to that now and hear it, you know on wax so to speak you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> ra- ra- rather than just you know live performances it, ma- it makes a difference when you when you hear like i'm st- i really do think that i think like when when an artist really hears 
when a rapper really hears himself uh yeah on a track that's done right like it's yeah. super motivating it makes you want to make more like oh yeah, yeah. can do yeah. that <laughs> yeah well dude yeah. it's like even like when like cd burners first came out like it was easy to have like your little raps on tape like anybody could do that right but when cd burners first came out like standalone no computer it was like me a homie of mine and his cousin and his cousin actually went on to be a dj for twista ironically oh wow but but we went and we you know we recorded like some freestyles and burned the cd and we were mobbing around in his little honda civic like bump on our freestyles like yo we got freestyles <laughs> on cd like you felt legit you know what i mean <laughs> yeah that's amazing it's come so far hasn't it yeah yeah definitely has going cassettes to cds to vinyl coming back and mm-hmm. yeah i still I mean, remember you guys remember the mini discs oh yeah yeah there. man yeah yeah <laughs> Had some of those I, for a little bit. I bought a mini disc player again, uh, like a year or two ago, because um, I found my mini discs and there was some stuff I wanted off of there. Now, what's terrible is I bought the mini disc player and got to hear the stuff again, but I haven't pulled it off. But, mm. um, yeah, I've got some super rare stuff on there. I've actually got some, like, I don't even remember how I got it, but I've got some old, like, brainwash projects and digital oh, wow. stuff. Uh, it's just super rare um and then like this punk band that went to the same high school as me but they're like seven years older or whatever they were like these mormon guys in in this (laughs) band and uh their their music's great uh punk is probably not the right characterization but in any case like i have that on mini disc and i'm glad i did because i lost the cassette years ago oh yeah yeah wow (laughs) mini discs are amazing i wish those had stuck around yeah, yeah, I think I bought a bunch of blank ones and never used them. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's incredible now though because now you've got this this like huge crew and other people like collaborating with you guys as well that aren't even part of the core crew and um, to do that all in the in the world before easy online file sharing and uh, like in the like there would have been so much mail back and forth yeah <laughs> and so many differences in quality but like we're now at like i, I mean i know it's only going to get better but we're kind of in the golden age of being able to make studio quality recordings even at home yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's wild yeah it's, it, yeah, it's been a good change because yeah just thinking back to like when uh sackcloth fashion did the fashion expo yeah yeah yeah, yeah. They, they were mailing out adat tapes to everybody on there Sure. And then, you, ADAT, know, you get man. one, you know, you get the ADAT that, that had your beat on it, and then you'd have to get another ADAT, put all your vocals on it, and then you ship everything back to wow. it. Wow. Yeah, and then they would mix it from there. So, and there was, what, 70 songs between those two CDs? Yeah. So I can that's only imagine. Heard, uh, that's where I first heard Frosty. Was that. Oh, for real? Okay. Yeah, yeah. And then I ended up copping the album he had. It had a... I think it, I don't know if it had all the gospel gangsters, but at least like Chili or Solo, and then it had Fourth Ave on it. Man, yeah, there was there was so many artists on that project. Mm-hmm. Like Soup, that, Soup yeah. was on there, Red Cloud, yeah. Dirt was on Peace there. Peace 586. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, LPG. Yeah, like, there's a lot of classic material, and mm-hmm. I wish they'd done a, another one, but, you know, times change and. Uh, yeah. you know just didn't work out for whatever reason yeah. but 
Yeah, for me, yeah, that, I mean, that was my first national release, so I was just excited yeah. to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah. Right, right, yeah. Well, that that was such an interesting time. We're talking like 2000, I think. Yeah. Maybe, uh-huh. maybe, maybe a year or two, give or take, around there. But, like, that was just right before everything changed, really. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I, I had a similar I, – I wasn't on that one, but uh, Royal Ruckus was on the coalition – uh oh yeah, yeah. Oh. record that forefront put out and it was like forefront dipping their toe back into rap to see uh see if they could do it again and um and they even used our song as a single and that that was like really great it was really great for us but that was like the last couple of years that cds really had a grip and mp3s mm. were really starting to be exchanged you know on the yeah on, on the black market, so to speak, uh, <laughs> Napster. <laughs> yeah, with Napster and uh, LimeWire and all those, and and you know we all we all played, we all participated, mm-hmm. um, and then it just it just all changed. It just uh-huh. you know it all went online, and it was only a matter of time before uh, we got to the subscription model where we got today. So yeah, um, but th- those compilations, man, those were powerful. Um, yep. And it was sometimes like you like an incredible way to find like your new favorite set of artists. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, it was even like the Night Owls compilations were dope too. Yeah, yeah, I love those. So I yeah. almost made it onto one of those. I was, I was talking to uh, Max One because like I didn't make the final cut, but I was on the cut right before that, and I was like, ah, oh, so close, you know, because that was a mission of mine for a lot of years was to make the Night Owls compilation. But the fact I made it that far was was cool. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they got to resurrect that. Bring, yeah, get the band back together for the Night Owls. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? Maybe there just needs to be like a Bruce Beards compilation, and we start doing that. Hey, there you go. <laughs> uh, I think the idea has been born. You, you, <laughs> let's make it happen. <laughs> well, fellas, uh, I hate to cut it cut it short because I feel like we could chat all night, but uh, I got to catch a plane in the morning. And so, if if you don't mind, I was thinking what we could do is um, I basically got two questions. Okay. Um, and then, well, maybe maybe. I'll ask my first one, and then I'll give uh, Nomadic a, a chance, and I got another one. So, um, so my first question is: Is there is there anything that you have been just dying to say here, and we didn't give you the chance? Um, no, I, I think we've covered a lot, <laughs> man. You know, uh, like I, I'm just excited to be on here, man, because because on all, all honesty, in, in the last probably ten years, like I haven't done a lot of stuff like this. So the fact that you guys even invited me on here is amazing to me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here, and you know, I just appreciate on, the invite. All right. Well, uh, Nomadic, what, what, do you have a question for him? Anything uh, you've yeah. been dying to ask? Man, you know what I've been dying to ask? What is your <laughs> favorite hip-hop song of all time? Oh, I don't know if I could really tell just one, because I've got so many songs um, that I like for different reasons. Um, what you feeling right time- now? Um, honestly, like it's crazy. The song that, that jumps into my head, it's not a Christian song, but uh, Nas's song Joe Black from the Magic album, like Ooh, just yeah. that beat and the way it hits. And every time I hear it, I'm like, play that again, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, um, well, I've always been a big Nas fan just because of his, you know, his style and just his longevity. You know, I've got a lot yeah, of respect indeed. for that. Um, yeah. You know, as far as outside of that, man, like most of the artists I listen to are people I'm friends with, you know, so yeah, whether sure. it, yeah. it's Dirt or people from my G-Life family, um, you know, Chainbreakers got some heat. Like, it's just. I, I'm real big on, on supporting my local artists and I, I don't really follow the mainstream at all anymore just because it hit a point where I'm like, I don't understand this. And that's just because I'm getting older, you know, I'm the, yep. I'm the old yep. school guy now. <laughs> so, but yeah, was, I listen to mostly people I know that are artists and, yeah. you know, just try and support them because as an independent artist, like I know the struggle and you don't always get the support that you deserve. So, you know, I always try to find those people that may feel like, you know, people aren't really understanding what they're doing. And then I'm like, you know, let me check you out. And then I'll try and give them feedback and, and you know, just kind of encourage them and inspire them. So, yeah, that's yeah. what's up. That's dope. Well, um, so we would like to play one of your songs, any song at the end of the show. Is there a certain song you want us to play, whether it's new, old, whatever? Um. Man, that's another one where there's, there's a lot. Um, <laughs> man, there's a song called I mean, Vocals. Um, okay. That, that I'm thinking. It's kind of an older one, and, and you know, but if you got something that, that you're kind of leaning towards, you know, I'm open. But um, I did a song with uh, MVP, Rola, and D Row on my uh, uh, kick drum album, and it's called Locals. Oh. And it, it's, you know, just about being a part of your local scene and, and reaching your community with, with what you have. And, you know, just uh, just building up your local music community, your local Christian community and, and, you know, just being a light to the people that are directly around you. Yeah. How did you hook up with MVP? You know? um, it, was an, it was another thing, just doing events. You know, yeah. we, we had just met and we were always cool with each other. Uh, back then, he had his record label, Divine Flavor and, and Rola and Spanish Kid and D-Row and Unfatable. Uh, all, all those guys were rolling and risen from uh, back then too, and uh, yeah, like they did a, a couple compilations, and I, they invited me to either submit songs or you know to do a verse on a couple different uh, songs, and yeah, we just kind of built the relationship from there. So that, that's really interesting to me because, like, I'm trying to think. I'm not sure if I've ever heard any of MVP's music. Uh, oh, except, really? Okay. Except that, like. Back in the day, he was down with everybody. So yeah. he had guest spots, you know, and and he would get like shouted out in lyrics all the time. I felt like, yeah. So like, I feel like I'm an MVP fan, though I don't think I actually nice. know any of his <laughs> own music. You know, like that. It's pretty yeah. wild to think about. And so I, I was, I actually just noticed that today. I was looking through your your uh, catalog, and I, I just noticed you had MVP on there, and I was like, I got to ask him about that, and I almost forgot. <laughs> so I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, MVP, that that's my brother too. Um, yeah, we 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 go way back, and you know, working with G Life, like we we've just done a lot of ministry and just different events together, and yeah, we just kind of grown grown in our friendship. And, you know, I, I still hit him up. I got songs I'm working on now where I'm like, yo, man, I need a verse from you. And then, you know, he'd be like, oh, I'm busy. I got this and this. I'm like, well, we got to figure it out, man. I need you on this track. So. <laughs> man, that's, that's dope. 
Well, um, I, I got to admit that my last question was actually going to be what Nomadic just asked you. So, okay. uh, so I'm fresh out of questions, except <laughs> uh, please do tell everybody where they can find your stuff. Remind everybody of everything you want them to know. Okay. Um, uh, for Instagram and Facebook, um, Illustrate One. That's the number one. Um, as far as my music, I'm on pretty much all the platforms, but I don't have everything on every platform. So if people go to illustrate.bandcamp.com, you can find my whole catalog there. Uh, also, you know, if you want to find my bio, you can go to locustfist.com slash illustrate. And, you know, that'll give you some more information about what I've done over the years and, you know, just kind of more about my affiliation with, with the locusts and, and what we're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, my man. Uh, yeah, thank you. You, you want to drop any socials or or anything you want to shout out right now? Um, well, I mean, of course, Bruce Beers on Instagram, uh, Nomadic Vagabond on Instagram, Royal Ruckus Official on Instagram, uh, Just Jamie on Instagram, Shadow <laughs> the Locust on Instagram, LocustFist.com, and of course, uh, hit up. Uh, if you if you go to the locust uh, the shadow locust um, Instagram page, you'll get a link where you can go uh, cop a shirt to uh, support the recording oh, yeah. album we're trying. To yeah, get. absolutely. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a limited edition shirt. So if you don't yeah, get yeah. it now, you won't get it. Get it while you can. Support while it's needed. Yep. Get fresh or get left. That's right. <laughs> well, gentlemen, it's been great chopping it up with both of you. This was uh, this was really fun. Yep. Yeah, it was a blast. Thank Dude. you, guys. All right. Well, we're going to now listen to Illustrate. Yo, this is Faith, Love, and Hip Hop. It's just how they all intertwine. It's how they all work together. It used to be all so simple. Yeah. Write some rhymes to a beat or other artist's instrumental Make your point, spit your verse, and bring something monumental Something new to the table that's not inconsequential Make an impact to hit people where they need it Don't just say the words, live it out so people see it Be set apart in style, actions, and the lyrics Stay in tune with the spirit so when he speaks you hear it But as with anything, time brings complications New people and situations test your faith and stretch your patience Many times I've been at a loss for what to do But I often think back to Pastor Randy Cruz Sometimes he would watch to see how far I was willing to Trust in God and other times he came to the rescue But I needed that It taught me how to push through And find focus in the storms And for that I say this thank you This is love and hip-hop This is my life Seeking God, raising seeds and how I rock mics If you don't understand, it wasn't meant for you But if you relate, then you know it's all true Faith, love and hip-hop I used to travel the country for free and take any chance to rock it But rarely ever did that give an investment to my pocket I just wanted to speak Christ and flex skills as an MC It didn't matter, I was grateful for the opportunity I just believed that God would work it out, no doubt But empty-handed I'd return to pursue another route Believing for better times and financial increase Wrestling with the what falls and fighting for inner peace Reaching out to old friends that no longer return my calls Makes me ask myself if we were ever friends at all I was done with the music, burned out and cold it quits An overextended has-been who life has had its way with Then out of the blue, the homie Jendor shot me a call And he was like, nah homie, you ain't done it all 
that sparked something in me. Brought a kick that inspired when I needed it most. The fire reignited. Thanks, Jay. This is faith, love, and hip hop. This is my life. Seeking God, raising seeds, and how I rock mics. If you don't understand, it wasn't meant for you. But if you relate, then you know it's all true. Faith, love, and hip hop. This is my life. Seeking God, raising seeds, and how I rock mics. If you don't understand, it wasn't meant for you. But if you relate, then you know it's all true. Do I rock for a career? Nah, it's just for the love. Chasing some kind of deal is not what I'm thinking of. I'm a grown man with grown responsibilities. Although the flow stands with more plans of my abilities. I live for the dream, although it doesn't pay my bills. Ain't fronting like some dudes that's just spinning their wheels. My faith in Christ is my foundation. Hip-hop is my expression. Speak on beats to the nations and live life to learn lessons. Bump these beats to drift away and escape from the stress. Disconnect for the moment and find a place to rest. Justice rhymes and salty beats got my back on these beats. Keep me pushing towards new levels and crushing past defeats. Peace to Pastor J who keeps a passion for the lost. A man of compassion who proudly carries his cross. John Fly and Kim Richmond, y'all help me believe again in what we call the church. Y'all help me see again. This is faith, love, and hip hop. This is my life. Seeking God, raising seeds, and how I rock mics. If you don't understand, it wasn't meant for you. But if you relate, then you know it's all true. Faith, love, and hip hop. This is my life. Seeking God, raising seeds, and how I rock mics. If you don't understand, 